welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Yak Sports Podcast is back to talk about the sports that you, the Augusta County sports fan, care about. I'm Leela McRae. Joe Deck is with me. And we have a great interview coming up, different than usual kind of interview coming up in the B Block with Clark Rowland, who is all things hokey graphic design and a bunch of other stuff that we will talk about. So make sure you stick around for that. But first, Joe, let's dig into where we are currently with this high school uh, sports, and that is basketball season's closing down. We're in the region playoffs. Uh, we put out the extra podcast this weekend just to cover the uh, beginning of this region tournament to get something out there. I'm glad we did because we it's kind of Black Monday here. We lost a lot of teams today. Um, <laughs> Fort Defiance goes down to Fluvanna. Uh, Wilson goes down to Spotswood in the boys' side. But we did get two guys' teams advance. Gap, they at the five-seed beat Strasburg. And then Stanton, the number two seed, beat the seven seed Stewart's draft, ending Stewart's draft season. Uh, so at least we got a couple still going. Yeah, um, it obviously, you know, Fort losing, um, that's tough. And, and like you said, you lose Wilson, too, there on the boys' side of things. So both three class three teams are out. But both class two teams, or two of the three, I mean, one of them had to lose with Stanton playing Stewart's draft. But Buffalo Gap pulls off an upset at Strasburg. Unfortunately, they're going to play East Rock, so I wouldn't hold out too much hope there, uh, just yeah. given what East Rock has. But they'll play the game. Yeah, I mean, East Rock's going to be a tough opponent, and uh, they're they're you know one of uh, a state favorite. And Buffalo Gap, though, I commend them. They, they've gotten better throughout the season. Winning that season finale against Stanton was impressive. Um, but the, and also getting this win up at Strasburg, it was a close victory. And going on the road and doing that on a quick turnaround uh, on a Monday night, I, I, good for Gap. I, I think it's something to build off. This program was way down a couple years ago. I mean, not winning much at all and kind of having some pretty terrible losses. They've really come together. Uh, I know last year they were winning a bunch of games, especially early in the season. This year, kind of up and down throughout the season, but still rolling. And, and that's what matters. So uh, we don't talk about gap very often. I'm trying to get that in here uh, before they play East rock. Um, but congratulations on the bison. I'm kind of building that program back. It's just then East rock, you know, I was having a conversation today. What's going to happen in class two. I, I, I think East rock, I guess Radford. I don't know who else we're talking about in class two this year. I, I, some of the usual favorites aren't playing. So we'll have to see, but East rock, definitely a factor. I mean, they, they beat Charlottesville, a couple weeks ago, who was the top-ranked team in Class 3. So they obviously are a very good program. We know what Tyler Nickel is. Gap's going to have their handful. Yeah. Yeah, so then uh, Stanton went in. Uh, that was good to see. I know they're playing Stewart's Draft, a team you watched that matchup a couple weeks ago. So not necessarily a surprising outcome, but uh, Stanton moving on, gets to host a semifinal um, uh, against Page or Madison, which – you know, a good podcaster probably would have had that final ready to go here. Um, but it looks like Page County coming to Stanton on uh, scheduled for Tuesday night. I mean, that's going to be a quick turnaround. Uh, Page is a team that has beat Stanton in these last couple of years. Um, it'll be an interesting matchup here in the semifinals. 
Yeah, it is Paige. Uh, they beat Madison tonight. So yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I, I looked at facts. I didn't. Okay, know. well, Cody, I mean, you Cody made that Elliott comment. Twitter feed for a reason. You made that comment about a good <laughs> podcaster, and then it sounded like it looks like. So I'm just saying it is Paige. Um, I, I looked and I saw Paige. Right. Well, it doesn't look like Paige. It is Paige. Um, so <laughs> we'll call it even. If it looks like Paige, it talks like Paige. <laughs> it's Paige, and they're playing Stanton. Um, we'll see what happens here. I, I you know, I haven't paid too much attention to page county and it's been harder this year than than most to be able to tell the out-of-district teams and what what that's going to pose for stanton i just know stanton's playing outside of that buffalo gap game on the regular season finale which unfortunately cost stanton a share of that chin into a district title stanton here in the back half of the season had really started to play much better so if they can keep rolling that's great um unfortunately i think i think all roads end in elkton for for our teams yeah. I, I that are remaining i just don't and this is no disrespect to our teams i just don't think they're good enough to to beat a tyler nickel and some of the other guys that east rock has this year i mean i know tyler nickel's the guy that everybody talks about but you know read cody elliott's a guy who comes on this podcast quite a bit so read his stuff on east rocking him they've got other players and that's why east rock is as dominant as they are in a favorite to win class two the whole thing not Definitely. just the region so the guy the guys will advance, the Stanton boys and uh, Gap boys advance. Riverhead's yet to play. They'll play Tuesday night as they uh, travel to Rappahannock, if uh, I'm remembering correct. That's correct. And um, so then moving to the girls, uh, all the girls uh, regions got going today. Wilson picks up the big win against Monticello. Uh, they will advance and I believe play T.A., uh, then Spotswood beat Fort Defiance, ending Fort Defiance girl season. Um, and so that's a shame that they lose nine and four record there. Uh, draft won or lost against Larray. Buffalo Gap lost a home game against Stonewall. Um, Madison girls ended Stanton season tonight. And then the Riverheads girls absolutely dominated Alta Vista. I had to text Jeff Wright and make sure the score I was seeing was correct. Uh, Riverheads dominated 52 to seven. They'll advance as the one seed to host a game later in the week there in region one B against Rappahannock County, but going back up to the tops, Wilson, uh, you know, a, a decided victory there in class three C we talk about how tough class three C is. Um, you know, Monticello might not be one of those strongholds that you're used to, but still a nice, you know, 35 point win, 34 point win in uh, region three C is impressive no matter when you do it. And then they get TA a team that, they are familiar with. Yeah, TA is going to be a tough game, but I mean, you know, for Wilson, like you said, any win in this 3C is is impressive to me. I mean, this is just when it comes to boys or girls basketball, it's just such a loaded region. And uh, that's why, you know, the teams in our area struggle so much in it. It's not because they're not good or they're not as good as the class 2 or class 1 teams in the Shenandoah. It's just they're playing in a region that's much tougher than anything a lot of these teams have to see. So for them to get that win in the opening round is great for them, and I, I hope they can keep on winning. I just know, kind of like we said with uh, you know, East Rockingham on the 2B side, it, Turner Ashby would scare me in that region. Um, yeah, I but, mean, they lost to them 53-36 to 36 back in uh, on the third game of the season. So, yeah, they're familiar with them, but it, it wasn't a real tight game uh, when you lost to them previously. So, yeah, it's, it's, they're, they're a good team. Yeah. Looking at class two, uh, you know, draft shouldn't be embarrassed. I mean, like we said, 
Two B could be winning boys and girls basketball in class two. I mean, East Rockingham is that got to be one of those favorites in boys basketball, especially with John Marshall not being in the VHSL uh, tournament. And then on the girls side, Loray is a team that is just phenomenal. Uh, you yeah. and I got to watch them play last year in a thriller uh, before Stewart's draft and East Rock played in that region championship on the boys side. Uh, it was Loray and Strasburg and Loray t- returned a lot of those players. So that's going to be extremely tough. For Stewart's draft, obviously they didn't win. Uh, Gap doesn't have to worry about that. Unfortunately, they came up short against Stonewall. Uh, but the other thing I would just want to say to wrap up, teams. yeah, yeah uh, to just wrap up the girls' side, uh, the score in girls' basketball against Alta Vista will also be the score of the football game. Uh, that might be spotting. <laughs> that might be if Riverhead spots Alta Vista seven points, though, because I'm not sure Alta Vista's offense is going to score seven points if they play in football. There is one less round of uh, playoffs, so we might avoid uh, too many playoff games like that. I'm not, I'm not saying all of them, but uh, we will see. Uh, touching on football, we're not going to cover much football tonight, but uh, there was a picture. Everybody's practicing out in the snow. There was Riverhead's pictures online this afternoon of them mm. uh, practicing, practicing on the, the, hard, the frozen tundra of Greenville there. So uh, they're getting ready out there. It's, it's going to be fun. We will start update. We will start previewing football next week. Um, as we won't have as much basketball to talk about and get everybody ready for the football season that's coming. Um, speaking of football, there was a game this weekend, I think at the pro level, uh, they played it down in Tampa Bay and, uh, nothing too different happened. Tampa Bay, uh, or Tom Brady won a Super Bowl, So same old, same difference, what we're used to. Uh, what'd you think of that, uh, dominating victory by the Buccaneers? I hated it. Yeah, I hated it too. I it, I just didn't see it going that way. I, if Tampa Bay win, fine. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about it. I just wanted a good game, and it it wasn't. It was just really well coached game by Tampa Bay. They came with the right game plan to take advantage of the weaknesses that Kansas City currently has on their offensive line. And uh, as much as everybody wants to give Brady so much credit, and he did everything well, and he deserves the MVP. That defense just can it told the story of that game. They them doing to Patrick Mahomes what no one else seems to be able to do was the story of that game. And it gave Tampa Bay all that momentum. And uh, I don't talk about Todd Bowles. I know he was a head coach. What at the jets? I, I, you know, if I'm have a head coach opening, I know he wasn't successful at the jets. I just would like that defense on my team. So I would figure out, figure out a way. Cause that was, I mean, everybody's trying to find a way to stop Mahomes, and he did it. This is a team that lost like five games this year. I mean, yes, they they beat up a Chiefs offensive line that was basically duct taped together. I mean, those a lot of not starters on that offensive line. So some of this and it, it helped them against the Packers, too, because the Packers had a beat up offensive line. We saw them take advantage of that and get to Aaron Rodgers. Now they're they're taking advantage of the situation they're handed. But I mean, this is the same Tampa Bay team that almost lost to Washington. So let's not uh, the whole like, wow, Todd Bowles. I can't believe he's not a head coach. Like, but how much? Did OK, Washington I mean, he score? was a head coach and he sucked. So like, let's not. But how much did Washington score? I mean, did, wasn't this defense like dominant through this postseason? Yeah, like, against an offense that wasn't good. Really good. Like Washington's offense wasn't good. OK, I'm just saying, like, before before we just say, hey, Todd Bowles is the greatest coach who's ever been an assistant coach. He's had the greatest defense that's ever played in the Super Bowl. Like, let's pump the brakes. This is this is overreaction Monday. This is overreaction Monday. It's the same people saying, wow, maybe Patrick Mahomes isn't that good. 
Maybe the Chiefs no, are a little bit overrated. Uh, maybe Eric Bieniemy. Yeah. Maybe this is why he didn't get a head coaching job. Like I don't know. Maybe we should bump the brakes on that. Oh like, my goodness! This is overreaction Monday, and this is the problem with that. Like, ju- here's what you take away from the game: the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were better than the Kansas City Chiefs. They won that night. They had some help early with penalties, but they would have won that game regardless. And and yeah. for me, I, let me see Byron Leftwich and Todd Bowles do this again over the course of a season before I'm like, hey, these people deserve head coaching jobs. With Eric Bieniemy, I've seen Eric Bieniemy do it multiple years. So yes, I think he's yeah. earned a head coaching job. I think between Todd Bowles and Bieniemy, those two, I'm like most like. I, I think Tampa Bay's defense has been pretty good all year. I know they lost five games, but like they they've been pretty good throughout the year. I just, no one else is doing it. Even when Oakland beat Kansas city, it wasn't like they shut down Mahomes. Like I, I think there's something there with, if you have a deep, if you have a defensive coordinator that understands stopping that kind of quarterback, that kind of offense, I would like him associated with my team as a Steelers fan. I would love to have that defense. I'm not saying get rid of Tomlin for him. I'm yeah, just saying, no, do it. You want to do it, do it. I, let me tell you as a Ravens fan, I'd be pumped. Please do fire Mike Tomlin, hire Todd Bowles, get your guy in there and let's just watch overreaction Monday, explode in your face. And I'll just sit there and laugh. I'll, I'll love I it. I do agree Please with the overreaction do. day. Talk about the homes because I heard that stuff today too, about like, Starting to say, well, you no, know, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. Match. Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Like, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> two of these things are not like Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I, Jim Kelly lost a bunch of Super Bowls. Dan Marino lost the only Super Bowl he was in. Tom Brady lost some Super Bowls, lost a couple. So, like, it happens. And the dude was running for his life. Like, he was, I mean, it was amazing that some plays were still alive, and it was only because of how good a quarterback he is. I mean, he's running for his life getting tackled sideways to the ground, still throws the ball where his receiver touches it first. Like, whew, like he's so good on an injured foot. Like anybody that said anything about negative about Mahomes today, I was, I just walked away from him. I was like, you don't, you don't know what you just watched like at all. And so the other thing was, well, you can't, you can't argue about Tom Brady being the best. Now. I thought we said that like two Super Bowls ago, like he's the best. Like, I, I don't know who still had that, decision open like he could have lost that game by 40 points and i'd still say tom brady's the best quarterback that's that's played like uh, I it would be understand. yeah and i agree with your note here not arguing just don't like it because that's where i, I don't am. like it i hate it i hate what i just said yeah UBA most of them a are national championship tom brady's won a bunch of super bowls i don't like anything the yankees have won 27 championships or whatever it is i hate all of that yeah still they, facts. the best part about that is they haven't won any uh, this decade or the last decade, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I'm not arguing it either. I, it would be nice if I didn't feel like every break in a game that Tom Brady plays is a break in his direction um, in terms of officiating. It, it would be nice if there wasn't the whole deflate gate or the whole uh, spy gate stuff. Um, He's been in every conference championship that he was eligible for since deflate gate. Yeah, I think some of that has to do with the AFC East, which this year is a lot better. But the East, he's been in every conference championship game. So he's not just beat his division. Yes. Okay. But when you're guaranteed a playoff spot because your division is a doormat for the rest of the league, it helps. Okay. You have six games against your division. So you're six and all the division championships they won. I mean, 
we're talking about different sports here. I don't know what you want me to say right now. I, you bring different sports up all the time when we're talking, so don't don't give me that. I just like I hate Tom Brady. I don't want to say anything nice about him, but like the Flategate happened, and I wish he would have gotten kicked out of the league when that happened. He didn't. Okay, I, look, if you can't understand the difference between win-win-win ever since that happened, if you can't understand why it's easier for a playoff football team to have home field advantage because six of their games are automatic wins every year. So they're going to be a top two seed. They're going to have a bye and they're going to have a home game in a one-off game versus a seven game series where you have to win home and away. Like, I don't know. And and not to mention in baseball, you have pitching matchups and bullpens and there's a whole lot of other stuff that goes into it than versus football, so, which football my 11 is better than your 11 winning over and over. That's why so many guys have been to 10 Super Bowls and won seven of them. So, I mean, I just don't understand sports. I, you know, I get it. I, I understand. Like they win the division. You like, said it, not it's me. It's easier for them because the division stinks, but they do it. And then he changes leagues and team and throws a like a. Sure. And again, like I said, I'm not I'm not taking away that he's not the greatest. I'm just saying it would be nice if he didn't have all the all this cheating around his career. It would be nice if every time there was a 50 50 officials call, it didn't go Tom Brady's way or sometimes a holding call that isn't a hold. On the defense when he throws a pick, it it would be nice. Yet he always finds himself on the right side of that, and eventually, that's when luck is no longer luck anymore. He keeps putting himself in the right position to win. No, like the, the officials' calls are absolutely luck, but yeah, he's still sitting there in a position to benefit from whatever that is, and no one else is consistently doing that. Well, good for him. I mean, I hate it, but it, it keeps doing it. And I Kansas also City, think. I mean, they beat themselves. Like I also we, we think he's this. cheating. Like, the penalties hurt him early. You know what? They weren't. He's on HGH. There, I said it. They were penalties that killed themselves early. They had unfortunate drops early. Penalties went Tom Brady's way early. Each one of those things, they all all benefit Tampa Bay, and not all of them are official. Some of them are Kansas City doing stupid things for themselves. But Tampa Bay was dominant in that game. It wasn't all the penalties Kansas City just handed to No, it's all this different stuff. Tampa Bay was well prepared in that game. And that's what and that's what I come back to that coaching decision. I mean the offense looked good, obviously, but the defense won that game. The defense absolutely won that game. So we both had Kansas City on the over, so we both failed there. I had the under, but I just thought, okay, Oh no, I had the under. Loose. Did I say over uh, on the luckily, podcast? Luckily with the football with this podcast, we record this thing and uh, produce well, it on the internet. Maybe I said so. that on the podcast, but Come Sunday, I had the under. So, oh, it doesn't doesn't that work out nicely for you? Good job. Um, it did. So yeah. On this thing that we do produce with each other, and and the only area that we disagreed was the over under. I said under because I thought both teams would come out slow, and then we'd wind up with like a twenty four twenty one ball game. You know, late score in tight bucket. That's not what it was. So like, yeah, I had the under, but it wasn't the kind of game I was hoping it would be or thought it would be. So. We move forward. Kansas City is still the favorite for next year per Vegas. Makes sense to me. I don't know. We'll see. Who do you think's favorite? Obviously not Tampa Bay because you think Bowles is a terrible coach and Leftwich is overrated and Tom Brady is just the benefit of refereeing. So who do you think's favorite? That's why Green I like Bay. the NFL. It's wide open, Leland. Who knows? Ravens. Not the Ravens. Lamar Jackson's got to win a divisional round playoff game. <laughs> 
we start every time he does accomplish something, you got to change. He's got to he's got to win a conference. Yeah, he's got to get to the conference championship first. We haven't been able to get there. You know. All right, college basketball. Virginia Tech had a loss midweek at Pitt, which is a product of being in the ACC and those tough road games. Uh, wasn't happy about that loss, but on Saturday they avoided kind of the bad week and found a way to win down at Miami with uh, Couture hitting a last second game tying shot, sending that to overtime. I audibly yelled at my in-laws house, scaring all the children. Luckily my children are used to such things. My nephew, not so much. I don't know if he'll ever look at me again. Uh, he is a mad two year old. So I'm, I, I, I owe him one for that. That's fine. He'll learn. He'll learn. It's, I mean, when you're a Virginia <laughs> tech basketball fan, like, the odds of maybe winning an ACC championship, you know, is not great. <laughs> so, like, that game you kind of matters. Yeah, because if we had lost that game, I mean, now we're talking about, hey, you remember two weeks ago when we said, uh, let's buckle up for safety without Therese Radford? Uh, this is why. But it, it still is. Yeah, still kind of is it because is. we were very lucky to win that game. Um, Louisville's going to be tough. UNC's not very good this year. But, uh, but again, I just I don't know what to expect. Does it say a lot that Virginia Tech was able to muster up enough to get the win? Yes, and I'll take yeah. wins, but it's just we're well coached. We have to play. We have to play better if we want to win the ACC tournament. And uh, I, uh, if they play it, I guess. I guess that hasn't been officially said or. Yeah, said. Coach K was out there like pleading for it to actually happen because I think he thinks well, his team can make a run in it and get themselves. I was going to say, oh. they're going to need to kind of do okay <laughs> in the conference tournament to get in the tournament. Yeah. Um, speaking of teams wanting to win the ACC, the team that sits on top is UVA. Uh, I, I'll just remind the listeners. We beat them a couple weeks ago. Uh, they We're won the both their games this past week. Uh, NC state and Louisville. They have Georgia tech and UNC this week. Um, so winnable games, but, uh, you know, road game at Georgia Tech in the ACC. Sometimes things happen, and then uh, if UNC wakes up, but I, I don't think so. I think UVA is the better team. I think they'll win both those. Um, so we move on. JMU, they won against Elon last week, so they keep going in the CAA, but then they had a couple over the weekend canceled against William & Mary, but then this week they are going to slip Elon back into the schedule and then play Hofstra next weekend. So uh, they still look good, and I'm excited. Yeah, five and one in the conference is great. Um, I'm digging it. I, I mean, honestly, yeah. uh, this is a this is yeah. I mean, this is you the did. best JMU team I've seen since I've been at school, and I would imagine in my lifetime, seeing as they've only been to one tournament in my lifetime outside of. Well, no, that's it. Yeah, one tournament out yeah, in my lifetime. Tournament. So yeah, and that was my accident. I haven't really seen them, so I don't. I don't know how like great they actually look. I am looking I forward to the opportunity to seeing them this weekend, a couple I times. Don't subscribe to the Flow Sports. I um, also don't subscribe to the Flow Sports. I'll, there's a chance <laughs> I'll get to be there if they play them. Some some people have connections and and responsibilities. Uh, so good for you. I hope you do. I hope they look good. Uh, the girls I'm look good this them. weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I always appreciate uh, the girls' team, and I'm glad. Uh, they keep winning. Uh, I don't know why I don't have them on here, but we'll talk more about them as they get towards this tournament, and hopefully uh, they can be good in the CAA. Let's uh, cut that segment here so we can get to Clark and just give him plenty of time to talk about all the cool things he does. 
All right, next on the Exports Podcast, we are happy to welcome Clark Ruland from Virginia Tech uh, Media of sorts. I, I don't even know how to explain what all you do. Um, Nobody, I started making... Nobody ever. Like, <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> I started making notes and I felt like I was just writing down my jealousies of, of your life. You you create awesome looking um, graphic designs around the Virginia Tech program and it seems in every different direction surrounding the program. You do a lot of stuff for fun with your website uh, between uniform builders and stuff like that. And I'll let you explain all this, but you're traveling and your NASCAR involvement uh, has re- was really has what kept me interested in what you do uh, and post on Twitter with uh, between your work with NBC and NASCAR and then also your baseball tour, which I would like to dig into uh, while we talk about this. But wow. why don't the you... Uh, so tough about the pandemic is just not been, yes. being able to travel and go to events and stuff. So talk tell our audience that may have not listened to our advisement a year ago or more recently uh, to get on your website or interact with your uh, Twitter feed. Tell tell our listeners what you do. Uh, where do you want to start? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, my my day to day job, like uh, like basically like Superman, I guess you could say. Um, my day to day job is I work for the city of Salem in their communications office. Um, I work with Mike Stevens, who's uh, who's from Stanton. He's from from your neck of the woods, and uh, so he he worked at uh, WDBJ in Roanoke for 23 years, and then I interned with him when I was a, a student at Tech. And uh, so when he got the job here, several years after he had moved to to be the communications director in Salem, he was looking for a right hand man, and he called me up. I was working at, at NASCAR in Charlotte at the time, and and he said, "Hey, I know you're very talented, and I know uh, I know your work." At- ethic and I think you'd be the perfect one of the perfect people for this for this job I want you to apply for it and uh and so I applied for it and was one of the finalists and ended up uh, uh moving to Salem so I never thought I mean I know you guys know a lot about high school sports I know Salem is uh one of the the major oh, yeah. high schools in the southwestern Virginia when it comes to football and uh and so I was like well you know this is a this is a sports town uh, we've hosted the NCAA stag bowl for for 25 years now, um, you know, recently it's moved away. Um, you know, it's scheduled to come back actually in a couple of years. Uh, but Salem was a sports town and, and I knew that, you know, it was close to Blacksburg too, which also helped. And, uh, and so, you know, I enjoy it. Uh, I never would have seen myself working in uh, city government. Uh, you know, I went to, to tech as to, to do, you know, sports journalism and I was working in NASCAR, but instead I, I left to, to work for city government and I love it here. I, everybody is so awesome. It's uh, it's a, one giant team. And, you know, I work with guys from the police department, guys from the fire department, from the electric department to uh, the guys that uh, are driving the buses. Uh, today I went, went out and took pictures of uh, some of the school bus drivers doing some training. You know, I never would have seen myself doing something like that, but uh, I really enjoy it. And, uh, and, and it's, it's nice to be in a tight knit community like this. And, uh, my parents moved here several years ago. My brother and his wife live near here. And, uh, like I said, it, it, it doesn't hurt that it's only 30 minutes from Blacksburg. So being so close to Blacksburg, obviously you've, and, and I've already cited this, you stayed really involved with creating graphics for, uh, different entities around the, around the programs and around the sports, um, the athletic department. Talk about 
how you have that connection, how you've been able to maintain that connection and, and some of the fun stuff you do there? Well, it, it kind of started back when I was a student uh, in 2003, 04 seasons. Um, I always wanted to have like a nice background on my computer that had the Virginia Tech football schedule, just something that I'd look and immediately know, hey, you know, this weekend Tech is playing Boston College or they're playing uh, North Carolina. And, uh, and so it kind of got started through that. And um, I'd post the, the desktop backgrounds on Tech sideline, you know, just to share it with other people in case they wanted it. I mean, there, there wasn't any of that option out there. And, uh, and so guys that, a couple guys that worked in the marketing office at Tech in the athletic department were like, hey, are you interested in wanting to do like a, a poster? And I'm absolutely, you know, I knew those, I knew some of the, the people in the athletic department that weren't sports information or coaches or anything like that, but I didn't really know them that well. And, uh, and so I got a chance to do a poster for the baseball team. And, uh, and from there on, it was doing everything from posters for different programs or schedule cards. And, and then it, one of the things I always wanted to do, I finally got a chance to do, and that was to design the stadium cups. You know, yeah. everybody goes to Virginia Tech games and they walk away with a stack. Yeah, I got a stack of them every year. Yeah. Cups. <laughs> you know, and, and to me, I just, I enjoy that. Not as much like doing the design work and all that stuff, but going to the games and just, you know, seeing the guy with a Coke in his hand. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. I did that cup. You know, that's that's kind of cool. Uh, the, the I do that with period. my wife and look at places like, hey, that place has really good drainage over there. They're really good civil design <laughs> over there. Yeah, you can always look at the details. It's all about the details. Um, so, you know, I've been, you know, I did did random uh, graphic projects, T-shirts, that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I also got hooked up. Now, I, I don't really do many of the stuff for uh, for marketing anymore. I'll still do stuff on occasion. Uh, things for the Hokie Club or, or that kind of stuff. But uh I do a lot of graphic work for the football program and the equipment guys. Um, they're always doing t-shirt designs, logo designs. Um, so the farewell to Frank uh, stuff. You, you had that logo, right? Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. yeah. it's kind of interesting story how that all came about. Um, John Boleyn, who was the, the director of football operations. I mean, basically coach Beamer's right-hand man. He, he emailed me, the day after coach Beamer had retired or announced his retirement and said, we're looking at doing logo. Are you interested? I said, absolutely. And, uh, and so I just started thinking of various ideas of how would we go about doing a logo with coach Beamer on it? I mean, do you want to do his face? Do you want to do a signature? Do you want to just do a VT with Frank Beamer on the top and along the bottom? bottom you know there, there were a couple of ideas uh, I found an old Cal Ripken like uh logo that he had when he had uh broken Lou Gehrig's record and I was like oh that's exactly what I want to do because I everybody's iconic memory of Coach Beamer was after the Boston College game in mm -hmm. 1999 the the marching Virginians brought, brought their big stand their drum major stand out there to the middle of the field and he got up there and the whole place is going nuts and he stands up there and he goes, I want to see y'all in New Orleans. And he raises his fist in the air. And I'm like, that's it. That's the fist. That's the, that's the shot. And, uh, you know, in the athletic department, there's a stairwell in there. And for the longest time, it was just the whole two stories of this stairwell was this mural of coach Beamer and that 
in that pose. And I'm like, that's, that's the pose. That's what everybody needs to see of him. And uh, so you look at the logo and it's just a, you know, an oval uh, with his name and a kind of a ribbon look and, and him with that fist in the air, holding the microphone in his hand. And, uh, and so it was a very quick turnaround. I mean, I don't think it was more than a day and a half because they wanted to make sure to get patches made for their uniforms. They wanted to get the decals made. And it, it was a, uh, it was an off week. Uh, they were playing Georgia tech on a Thursday night. So they only had about 10 days to get all this stuff turned around, at least the decals to put on the helmets. And uh, so it was pretty cool. I mean, they, they got the decals, you know, right as quick as they could. And, and it went down to Georgia Tech, and I, you know, I still I knew a lot of those equipment guys at that point, and so got to go in the locker room before the game, before the team got there, and to see them putting stickers on the helmets was really cool. Um, and so then it was a couple of weeks after that, Tech played North Carolina at home, and that was Coach Beamer's last game, and they had the the black uniforms and the black helmets, and and uh, John Blen asked me if I wanted anything at what what I what I wanted to be paid for it. And I said, I don't want to be paid anything for this. This is a, this is a pretty cool, pretty cool way to, to honor coach Beamer. I, you know, this, it's an honor just to be able to do it. And uh, a couple weeks later, uh, he gave one of the, uh, one of the guys that worked for the football team, he said, I want you to give this to Clark. And it was the, the black tech helmet. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the first helmet I ever got. Uh, so it was kind of cool to have, you know, and Coach Beamer wrote on it, thanks for everything, uh, love your work, that kind of thing. So that's one of my prized possessions, oh, that, yeah. oh, that black goodness. helmet. Um, and then soon after, they gave me a jersey with the patch on it. So I've got the helmet and the jersey together. Um, that kind of started the, the collection of, uh, of helmets. But, uh, but yeah, that, that will always be my favorite project I've ever done with tech is, is being able to do that, that logo for Coach Beamer. It's, it's an iconic thing for sure awesome i the other thing uh that i always stood out with me with knowing who you were and this might be the start of it was when espn came for like a it was a thursday night game and i can't remember i think it was rainy game so i wasn't sure if it's boston college later or if it was like that texas a&m game earlier in your college career but didn't you get to like uh hold the video camera or like do the filming for ESPN on like a Thursday night game? Yeah, it was uh, my senior year. We played Clemson on a Thursday night. And Clemson, okay, Clemson. Clemson had, I thought it was raining I, for some reason. Oh, no, it didn't rain. Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was, uh, it was Clemson. And that was like C.J. Spiller was on that team. I mean, they, they were ranked. And Tech wasn't. I don't believe that, that Tech was having – I mean, they weren't having a bad season. But Clemson was, was I want to say, near the top ten at that point. Um, that whole game was – kind of a blur but uh huh. no the uh, one of the professors that i had had a contact with a guy at espn and uh the espn producer was like we'd like to have one of your students if he's you know if he's interested and so he approached me and you know i i was the the football beat writer for the collegiate times mm-hmm. and you know i i was in the press box for every game and when he asked me he's like are you interested would you want to do this i'm like absolutely you know this is my opportunity to to do something really cool and write a story about it. And, uh, and so, uh, it was, I got to be basically be part of the production. I, I went to the production meetings the day before and, and helped, you know, with all the cable layout and stuff. And, you know, I mean, when you're, when you're at a tech game or when you're at any kind of sporting event, you don't really pay that much attention to the, 
the camera guys, the people, you know, working the television production. The only time you really pay attention to it was when there's a timeout and you got to wait for that guy with the red hat on the, on the field to get off the field to keep the game going. Yeah. Um, but, but when you see that opposite side of it, you know, what it takes, the, the manpower, the hours, you know, before and after the game, setting everything up. You know, I, I, I asked the producer, I sat with them for maybe about 30 minutes, you know, what, what does it take to put this on? You know, what are some of your favorite locations? Do you like coming to Virginia Tech? I mean, is this a place? Cause you know, he was the Thursday night guy. He was the Thursday night producer for, for two decades, you know, ESPN Thursday night games were beneficial to both parties, especially in the nineties. I mean, Virginia Tech always played on a Thursday night and that was when there was only one college football game a week and, and Virginia Tech always played on a Thursday night and sometimes even played on two in a, in a season, which was very rare. And uh, he said that they, they liked coming to Blacksburg for the experience, but it was a real Royal pain to set up here because they had to run all the cables and it was a nightmare trying to get everything because it was, it was so tough just logistically getting everything on the field and, and, and all the parts and pieces that it takes to, to get it, uh, get it going. And then when tech renovated in 2005 and completely changed the whole West stands and they ran fiber everywhere, he said it went from the worst stadium to the easiest stadium. So they absolutely loved coming to Blacksburg because everything was state of the art and, uh, and all they had to do was just go outside and plug in and, and unplug and they were done. Um, And when it came to the game, I was, uh, I was told that I needed to be like basically like an extra color camera. So I could go in the stands and get fans or the band or the Heidi tidies and that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I was in the band a lot. I had no idea what was going on with the game. I mean, I knew that tech was playing well and everybody was happy, but I didn't see any of the game because I was focused on getting shots of, uh, you know, reactions or any of that kind of stuff. Um, so it was, it was a lot of fun. It was a bit of a blur. Um, I loved every minute of it. I wrote, wrote a story about it. Um, one of my favorite things that, that I had from that night was when everything was done. I mean, I, I helped them all wrap the cables and pack the truck and all that stuff. And probably was four hours after the game, you know, everybody's long gone at that point. It's two in the morning and uh, they were packing up shop and they had a big ESPN HD banner outside. I mean, this was when they were first doing HD. So they had ESPN HD on this giant white banner. And, uh, uh, you know, I was helping roll that up and uh, the producer was like, you take that with you when you go. That's cool. So not only did I get paid, but I got this cool banner and I've got it here in the basement. I mean, it's, it's still here. I, it's so big. Like I don't have enough real estate to put it anywhere. So it's still rolled up all these years later. Get game used uh, banner. That's awesome. Oh yeah. I have one of those in a, uh, an ESPN U banner after some, some random bath ball game at the end of the season the guy was wrapping it up and he's like take this we don't we don't need this anymore (laughs) okay so that rolled up so leland mentioned your work with unibuilder uh which leland and i actually this is a probably a month or so ago ago, yeah Yeah, we uh we looked at our favorite virginia tech football uniforms and Mm -hmm. and uh so i wanted to ask you and maybe this is the beamer 
the final Beamer game uh, that you played a role in the patch and the helmet stickers on. But what is your favorite Virginia Tech look when it comes to the uniforms that they've won and worn and uh, over the years and so many to choose from? But what is one of your favorites? Favorite uniform? That's It's hard to... It's hard to really. Yeah, which you also which have a bracket coming. Yeah, you know? not not that you want to influence the bracket <laughs> results that you have on your Twitter well, either. But the the, the the new project with the the helmet bracket is uh, yeah. It, it it's not a an all encompassing uniform thing. It's and, and and the funny thing is is you know I'm doing this bracket with the helmets right now and I can't even vote. You know I create the the Twitter polls right and it just shows me the results. It, it doesn't, it doesn't even let me pick, which it's fine. I, I think that's, that's okay. I, I was the one that did all the seating and everything for it. So I, everybody <laughs> knows which ones that, you know, I've picked, but um, in ter- terms of like favorite uniform, I mean, that's, it's hard to pick, you know, because there's so many different ones and uh, small intricacies or, or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think up close, the, the, the uniforms that they wore against Boise state, the black ones, they're really cool because there's a lot, of detail in them Mm -hmm. but they were absolutely terrible when you were at the game because you couldn't read the numbers and so that (laughs) doesn't make it a good uniform as a broadcaster i I identify with that like like the detail in the numbers is exquisite i mean it's got all the circuitry patterns and x's and o's and lines i'm sitting here looking at one on on the wall over here um but it just you couldn't read the number i mean it was it was it was horrible um you know Maroon obviously is, is, is the best. Um, I know I grew up in, in going to the games in the nineties. So I like the kind of playing uh, with the orange numbers on the sides. Um, mm-hmm. I think tech could go back to a style, you know, similar to that. I mean, obviously not, they're not going to go fully back to that. Uh, you know, there's there tech has a more modern look than that now, but there could be elements that could go into another Jersey or another uniform that come from the nineties. Um, you know, sometimes simple is better. Um, you know, I liked the, the ones that had the the orange and white stripes from the early 2010s because they had color, you know, there, there was the orange collar or the, the white and orange. It was a good accent because it was a very plain Jersey, uh, you know, and, and the pants were very plain. I mean, they only wore white pants. They didn't have stripes on them. And, um, but, you know, you had the solid maroon helmet, which, you know, I'd grown up the games that I'd f- first gone to in the nineties, it was the white face mask and stripes. Mm-hmm. So I always have an affinity to the, the white face mask and the stripes. I, I just think of tech helmet maroon with white face mask just feels like Virginia tech to me. Um, you know, when coach Beamer retired, there was, uh, you know, we, we were, we were working on the, the logo and I told John Boleyn, I was like, this is your opportunity to bring that helmet back. And, uh, and so they ordered white face masks and the stripes. So they debuted it for the, uh, the UVA game and won the game. So they decided to wear it in the, uh, in the bowl game. So the white face mask and the, and the stripes and the maroon helmet with the white VT, that just feels like Virginia Tech to me. Um, when they decided to bring back or, you know, to bring a different kind of stripe to the, the current helmets, um, it was, uh, I tried to make a push for it. You know, I, I thought it was cool on the black helmet 
let's just see what it looks like. You got the stickers, right? Let's see what it looks like on the helmet. Um, so we mocked up a couple of helmets and put the stickers on it and it kind of became the thing. Um, so I refer to them as the Fuente stripes because that was the first year of the, the Fuente era. Who knows if they would have, you know, done that in 2016 or not. Right. Probably not just right. for consistency purposes, but it was a new era with something fresh to do. Um, and then they on occasion would wear the white face mask on the helmets, uh, a couple games against Boston college. Um, the, the very popular Matt Maroon with the, the white face mask. That was, that was kind of popular. That's, that's kind of the more popular current era helmet. Um, so I, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter what tech wears is a tech game. So yeah. I'm going to be happy with whatever they're wearing on the field. Um, as long as you read the numbers. <laughs> yeah, no. I, and again, like when you were talking about that, that, that rings true to me. There's a school down here that will not name, but don't figure it out. They've got the same color number <laughs> as they do Jersey. And when they wear those uniforms, I'm, I'm well, sitting up there and I am like, man, whoever designed yeah. those, we need to get rid of that person. Like, <laughs> but, um, no. I mean, you want, you want, you don't want, no colored numbers on a colored jersey unless they're at least contrasting enough that you can read them yeah um, or the numbers that like change oh no down yeah, gradient yeah we horrible. don't like gradient yeah yeah <laughs> oh no those those you gotta have solid numbers you gotta be able to yeah. read you gotta you gotta let those people that are working the stats up in the booth <laughs> be able Make to the, know you're the, the radio guys are. off come on yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting you say that because i mean and we talked before we started here on, you know, our history with Virginia Tech fandom and stuff like that. And that's what I remember, too. The Jim Druckenmiller days, you know, wearing those striped helmets and the white face mask and and the old jerseys. And uh, then also, you know, you got the 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 look there toward the late 90s, early 2000s, I guess, when they just had the plain maroon helmet um, without the stripes. And I love those, too. So. Um, yeah. those I mean, were my every, favorites. Everybody has their own opinion about what, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. what they like. And, and part of that is just from when they first start watching. I mean, mm-hmm. let's face it. A lot of people didn't watch or know anything about Virginia tech until <laughs> Michael Vick played That's in 1999. True. I mean, if you say yep. Maurice DeShazo, most people are like, who is that? <laughs> you know, but to me, I, I'm like, hey, man, I love watching Maurice DeShazo and Ken Oxendine and, and, uh, you know, Andre Davis and, you know, all the way through to the nineties the with guys like Daryl Tapp and Brian Randall. I mean, some people really love the uniforms that tech first wore in the ACC with all the piping and everything, mm-hmm. you know, to me, you know, that's a, just a newer age of Virginia tech. It's not wrong or anything like that. It's just a different style. Um, you know, the ones that they wore in the late two thousands with the, they had like the orange on the side or anything like that. Like, I call those the techno jerseys. They only wore them for two seasons, <laughs> but uh, you know, Tyrod, you know, wore those jerseys. So you can kind of, and, and part of that is, you know, you've, you've got specific guys that you kind of reference. You, you see them in your mind wearing those uniforms and they, you know, you build an affinity. So, you know, like you said, you, you went in the nineties and watched guys like Jim Druckenmiller play. Yeah. And, and so that's, yeah. that's the affinity that you have. There's nothing wrong with having a newer affinity, but you know, that's, that's what you draw to. So now I want to transition us away from Virginia tech a little bit. You talked about your work with NASCAR there early on. And I just want to ask you, you know, what you miss most about your time at NASCAR, because, um, 
I I feel, you know, being a NASCAR fan, I love that. And I'm a Wood Brothers fan myself um, with a little bit of familial ties there. But uh, I don't know exactly, you know, I'm guessing when you worked with NASCAR, you got to you got to work with all kinds of aspects of it. So what is what is your favorite part about that? Or, you know, what do you miss most about being able to devote more time to that? Uh, well, I mean, when I worked at NASCAR, I worked in the, at the NASCAR media group in their archive department. Um, so I worked with about 15 different people, you know, right out of college. Um, and what we would do was uh, every week we'd take all the videos, all the tapes that came from the racetrack and go through it all and label it and that kind of stuff. I mean, it was kind of tedious work. Um, you know, you, we didn't go to the racetrack. We sat in an office and just drilled through tape all day, giving metadata to the smallest clips and different shots of, you know, guys like Jeff Gordon or Jimmy Johnson or Kyle Busch or any of those kind of guys. Um, But as I was working at NASCAR, I got to know some of the producers and some of the the people that worked in the media group. Um, And I kind of grew an affinity to a guy who came in as kind of like the resident historian. He was from Lynchburg. And so the first day he came in uh, to the office, I was wearing a Virginia Tech shirt. Um, and so he immediately migrated to me. He's like, Virginia Tech, I'm from Lynchburg. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm from outside of Roanoke. And, and it, he ended up knowing it was really good friends with my uncle who lives oh, in Lynchburg. Cool. And, and their dads uh, used, to, used to race together way back in the day. And, and so from that point on, you know, he and I, I would hang out with him all the time. I'd go into his office and he'd tell me about old races and that kind of stuff. So as everybody, as we continued to go through the tapes every week, um, you know, I kind of grew an affinity towards the history. And so we'd have some of this old footage and no one really wanted to go through it because they didn't really care. You know, they knew who the current guys were, the current crew chiefs or the current drivers. I wanted to learn about the old guys. I wanted to learn about the history of NASCAR. I wanted to to dissect footage from Darlington in 1975 because mm-hmm. I thought it was really cool. You know, it was it was new to me. You know, I watched the race on Sundays. We would we would work the races from the office. We'd listen to the to the crew uh, chatter that would go over the internet. You know, we'd hit the dump button if, in case we heard anything <laughs> bad or any kind of stuff. But so I watched the races during the Sundays, Saturdays. So so when it came to the the old stuff, it was new to me. You know, I didn't know anything. You know, I only started watching NASCAR in, in the early 90s. And so it was really cool to to learn about guys like David Pearson or Tiny Lund or, um, you know, Buddy Baker or any of those guys. And, you know, even going up through Cale Yarbrough and Darrell Waltrip, you know, when I first started watching NASCAR, Darrell Walter was just number 17 car on the track that never won a race. I mean, he won 80 some races. And, uh, and so I liked the history just as much as the current stuff. In fact, sometimes I grew, grew more towards it. I was there when, when the hall of fame opened, we worked in the building connected to the NASCAR hall of fame. And, you know, I loved, I loved all that stuff. I loved seeing old trophies or old cars. You know, I, I remember we were there one day and, and a, a flatbed truck was bringing in the number 11 Bush beer Ford that Kelly Arbor drove. And I geeked out because I thought that was the coolest thing, you know? And so, so I, I like the history stuff 
Um, but you know, I still love the current stuff. I still, I, you know, I'm, I can't wait for the Daytona 500 this weekend. I mean, I'm, I'm ready for the season to get going for sure. And you still, I mean, you recently at least had some involvement there with NBC and their race coverage. Yeah. Um, so I work, I work as a spotter with the camera guys up on the roof. Um, and it's funny because my uncle who I was talking about earlier, he, he was connected with, uh, with the guy who's the chief spotter for ESPN and Fox and, uh, they needed an extra guy one week. And he said, why don't you bring your, bring your nephew? Cause he knows about NASCAR. So really it had nothing to do. The, the NBC connection really had nothing to do with when I worked at NASCAR, other than hmm. that I knew about, you know, NASCAR, I could, I could go to the track and, and pick out a car on the racetrack really easily because I knew it. Cause I, I'd see it all the time. So, uh, you know, up through 2019, um, I was, I went to 10 races a, a year with NBC, uh, working on the roof with the camera guys. Um, you know, I'd talk to the director, um, talk to the chief spotter and he was in contact with NASCAR and, and the, the producer and everybody like that. And, um, had a blast. I mean, it's the best seat in the house. You're on the roof you're looking down, you got the whole racetrack and, um, it was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, because of the pandemic last year, they had a very limited number of people that could be at the racetrack. Um, you know, the camera guys, they said it was tough because, you know, you can't be around anybody. You can't, you, you can't be, you know, it's not a normal fun time at the racetrack. I mean, obviously, yes, you go to, you go on there to work, but you're going there to work a NASCAR race. I mean, it's, it's, it's really fun and, you know, and everybody's, they're the best of the best. I mean, these camera guys up on the roof are phenomenal. They can, they can zoom in on the smallest thing going 190 miles an hour. It's, it's awesome. Um, and, you know, working with those guys, uh, it was, uh, you, you build good friendships. And, uh, and so it was tough. And, you know, I'd, I'd text with them during the races all the time because they're always chatting it up. And, and, uh, and so hopefully, uh, NBC will uh, will bring a couple of the spots back, and I'll be able to go to work some of the races this year. If I don't, hey, you know what? It was fun. I did it for ten years. I loved it. Um, you know, but uh, it's not going to take take the NASCAR fan out of me. I mean, everybody's a fan, whether whether you, you know whether you've been watching it for twenty years or watching it for fifty years or this is your first season. It's hard not to to get involved with it and enjoy it. And, uh, so I'll, I'll always be a race fan, even if, uh, even if I'm not working races anymore. So Clark, I want to shift to probably the, the biggest level of jealousy I have. Um, it, my wife, I honestly, I just like my wife now knows who you are just because I say, Hey, Clark is, you know, <laughs> on this, on this coast of the USA at baseball games, or he's doing this probably didn't help that I probably referenced one of the cool trips you were on while we were like at the hospital having one of our babies. Um, but Okay. I've, always, <laughs> I've always followed along uh whatever you posted on Twitter with um the baseball stadiums you visited. I know you've kept track of football stadiums and college basketball, and I've been to enough of those where I have jealousy that you've still been to more than me. But the baseball tour is like if I win the lottery, I'm gonna go to every baseball field, baseball stadium in the country. You've done that without winning the lottery. So I'm incredibly jealous of that. And on top of just talking about how cool it is that you've done that uh, and feel free to expand on that. I want to know what's your favorite stadium you've been to. What's, what's the, what's the favorite one that you've been to since you've been to them all. I'll trust your opinion. Fenway park is number one to me without a question. No, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) Why? 
I'm he's, an he's Orioles fan. Oriole I fan. just hate Boston. I hate everything Boston. <laughs> Have you been to Fenway, though? Not I mean, yet. I, I it's on the list. I, I need to go. And my brother and I are trying to do what you've already done. Just go to all 30 MLB cities. We haven't made it to very many. but um, I won't be jealous of him, though, because I've, I've already seen it done. That's fine, Leland. <laughs> yeah. that's I mean, Camden Yards is is that's the second stadium I went to. I mean, I went in yeah. 1996 or seven. Um, but Camden Yards is, is it's where it started. It's where the the new modern baseball stadium started. Because you know before that, it was just Riverfront Stadium or Veteran Stadium. It was just the big circle, right? And and Baltimore showed you know we can have a baseball only stadium we can do that and we can do it right you know with the warehouse and the outfield and making it part of the part of the stadium i mean camden yards is it's beautiful i mean i've only been there a couple of times when it was full but when it's full i mean they were playing in the playoffs against uh kansas city one year i believe it was and uh the place was electric and and baltimore when when the orioles are are in contention baltimore is really fun it's funny you mentioned so, that because I was just talking about that with my buddy uh, in Texas. Because um, I, my brother's birthday is in October, so that was our my gift to him was I took him to that ALCS game, and it was probably good that we had a few adult beverages before the game, so that kind of clouded the loss a little bit. But um, yeah, I mean, I had the same takeaway you did because for most of our fandom, the Orioles have been just terrible um, in our lifetime, but. That series, and then the two years before in 2012, uh, I was able to go watch them beat the Yankees in game two of that ALDS. Uh, and kind of what, you know, my takeaway was, was like this stadium. And like when people say, oh, Orioles fans, you know, they're Fairweather fans or whatever. I'm like, they don't understand. Like the love for baseball is there in Baltimore. And it does create an electric atmosphere that even being a lifelong Orioles fan, I just wasn't familiar with. I've been to Camden Yards so many times. But right. in 2012 and 2014, when they were actually good and, and able to win, like you could see the desire for that fan base and the hunger there. And it was it made it that experience at Camden Yards even cooler. And, and so, in all so, honesty, every every stadium has a good fan base when the team is yeah, good. Yeah. I mean, even <laughs> it, the, I guess the only exception would be when like you know, Tampa, Florida Marlins, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the drop. You, yeah. couldn't even, you couldn't even beg people to go to those, go to those games. But yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, any place is going to have a really, a really rabid fan base if their their team is in contention. So, so once again, the Orioles have have you know pirated the answer uh, on the podcast. We we went we want to talk about other things, and Joe always brings it to uh, Orioles stuff. Talk about Fenway. What makes Fenway so cool? It's old, but what what's some of the things that stood out to you while you were there and that experience of watching the Red Sox play at home? Well. Um, I, it's kind of crazy. The first game I ever went to Fenway park and I've only been there. I think I've been there three or four times now. Um, the first game I went to was the weekend of the 100th anniversary celebration of Fenway park. Um, and they were playing the Yankees. So I got to see the Yankees and the Red Sox play in Fenway on a Saturday afternoon. Um, it was, it was so cool. Um, it was, it was April. In fact, it was the day that, the tech spring game got rained out. Oh yeah. So I guess it was 2014, 2012, 13, somewhere in that, somewhere in that range. Oh. And I remembered, I was like, yeah. I have a good excuse to miss the spring game because this is, this is my, 
opportunity to go to Fenway Park. And it was just uh, my dad and I went. Um, I was able to get tickets through the Salem Red Sox. So I talked to the general manager at the time and, and Todd was able to, I mean, I, it was a shot in the dark. Mom, my parents were, were going up there for a convention and they just happened to be the weekend that they were playing the Yankees on the hundredth anniversary celebration of Fenway park. I'm like, we, we don't have a shot in the world to get tickets to the, one of these games. And the actual like 100th anniversary was the Friday game. Mm. They brought all these, you know, all these classic Red Sox players from yesteryear in. And, and so I was like, there's no chance that we get tickets to that game, but maybe we can go to the game on Saturday. It was the Fox Saturday baseball game of the week. And, and they're playing the Yankees. I mean, this is not, it's not like they're playing, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays or the Seattle Mariners. They're playing the Yankees. So it was, uh, it was really cool and got to go in a day game. So went super early. And, and the thing about Fenway is when you walk into that stadium, it is like walking into a time portal. I mean, you go to a game at, in Atlanta or you go to a game in Baltimore and Baltimore may have a, a a classic modern feel, but when you walk into Fenway, it is like stepping into the fifties. I mean, everything Mm -hmm. is, they got the poles in the stands. Um, You know, the seats are small, you know, it's not, you know, they're, they're not expanding the stadium. Everything's crammed as tight as it can be. You can smell the, the hot dogs and they have the, the organ that plays. I mean, it's, it's like an old timey baseball game. It's, it's everything that you see on television or in, in the movies and you're, you're living it. You know, you can look out there and see the seat that Ted Williams hit the, the home run, the red seat out in, out in right field. You see pesky pole, you see the green monster and they do a really good job of not only making it feel classic, but it's still a modern, you know, design. Like they, they renovated a lot of it. You know, they still have the big jumbotrons in the outfield, but all the graphics on the jumbotron are made to look like the green monster. So it all works. It all feels natural. Uh, Even though it's such a classic old ballpark, it still is, is modern and uh, and they do a great job with it, you know? And, and now I've, I really like seeing the Red Sox play because, you know, living in Salem and working, I've, I've built relationships with some of the people that work with the Salem Red Sox. And so I've gone to games and I've worked as an official scorer. So some of these guys that played years ago with the Salem Red Sox, now they're playing for the Boston Red Sox. I mean, uh, it's, so it's kind of neat, you know, I can go to a Red Sox game and be like, Oh yeah, I saw that guy play in Salem. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so that's another cool thing. I mean, I, I wore the Salem Red Sox, baseball hat today. So um, that's just another added bonus. But with us being the Salem Red Sox, it still doesn't doesn't play a factor in how much Fenway Park is number one to me. I mean, I just, I, I, it'll always be number one. It'll be tough for anything to ever top that. I want to slip in one more question because I, I, since you've been to so many games, I got to ask it. What, what experience at a baseball park, like what, even if, on field or off field, but what one experience of a, an event happening at a game has stood out to you most in all the games you've been to at, in MLB games? Well, uh, a couple of years ago now, uh, the Washington Nationals played in the World Series. And uh, and so with my connection with NASCAR, um, one of the camera guys that I work with, 
he does the NFL Fox game of the week. So he is the 50 yard line cameraman during the fall oh, wow. uh, for Fox. And so I texted him one, one afternoon when the, when the, the nationals made it to the world series, they had clinched. And I said, I know this is one crazy shot in the dark, but do you have any connection with MLB on Fox? And he said, I can contact the HR woman and see what she says. You know, I mean, it's not going to hurt anything. I'll ask for you. No problem. And, uh, and so he emailed me back and he said, here's this lady's connection. Um, how many tickets do you need? I mean, oh man. <laughs> so so I, I called my dad immediately and was like, I know you'll, I know you'll say yes, but do you want to go to the world series? And, uh, <laughs> he said, absolutely. Let's go. Um, That's awesome. so I was able to get two more tickets. So I got four tickets. So two of my buddies, my dad and I, we, we all got in the car the game was on a Friday. It was game three of the world series. So they'd won the first two games in Houston. And, yep. and so it was, it was absolute pandemonium. I mean, inauguration day couldn't reach the pandemonium. <laughs> of the first world series game in Washington, DC since like the sixties. And, and of course, everybody's at fever pitch at that point, just because the nationals are in the world series and then just pile on everything. Um, so, you know, parked in the same spot, you know, as going to a game in the middle of July and, uh, uh, you know, just soaking it all in. I mean, they, they opened the ballpark two hours before the game. We got there three hours before the game and the place was already buzzing with excitement. Um, it was Everything about it was just so cool. The the one thing that I didn't I didn't like was the tickets were like the phone scan tickets, and I love collecting knickknacks. Oh yeah. So I was sorely disappointed that we didn't have a ticket stub. I mean, you know, I've been going to Virginia Tech football games, and I've got mm -hmm. mounds of tickets from every <laughs> season. I've I've organized everything. You know, like I want the ticket. You know, I don't. I don't really care about a t-shirt. I want, I want the ticket from the game. So luckily we found out that there was one like future game ticket booth that they usually use for the nationals. And um, you can buy like games, you know, tickets for games later in the season kind of thing during the regular season. And they were printing tickets there for like, I think it was like $2. Oh, that's so awesome. you just take yeah. your phone and, and they'd scan your phone and print you a ticket. So I was like, we have to do this. Yeah. We probably yeah. stood in line for like 30 minutes just to get the ticket. But, you know, I mean, yeah. it was yeah. so cool. It had the logo World Series and it was it was it was really cool. I mean, it wasn't like a commemorative ticket or anything like that, but it was just a big giant ticket yeah. that had the World Series and had the date and the That's two so teams cool. and all that stuff. Um, but just everything about that, that excitement, I mean, it was it was bigger than any opening day. You know, I've, I've been to opening days with the Cincinnati Reds, uh, which is, you know, one of the best opening days in major league baseball. I mean, they used to always be the opening game of the season. So Cincinnati opening day, that's, that's about as high as it gets at Cincinnati. Cause you know, everything <laughs> downhill, but it was very similar. You know, they introduce all the teams and they, you know, the, the two teams come out and they're starting lineups and the national anthem. I mean, and the flyover. I mean, it was just, it was like a football game, only it was a baseball game. And, you know, the, the, everybody stood the whole game and we, we didn't sit, you know, it was, it was nuts. I mean, they ended up losing the game because, you know, both teams lost all the home games. 
Yeah. So, uh, but it was just, it was so surreal, you know, just standing there, you know, I don't really have very many surreal, you know, moments at sporting events just because they all have, they're all special, but like you just stand there in the middle of the fifth inning and you're like, man, we're at the world series. And this is not something that, that many people get to do in their life. And, yeah. and the funny thing is, is that was Martinsville race weekend. So the, the chief spotter that I worked with at NBC, he could not make it to Martinsville that weekend um, until like noon or one o'clock on, on Saturday. Well, NASCAR had a cup practice at like eight 30 on Saturday morning. So we drove up, we drove up for the game and, and left at like noon to drive up there to DC. When the game was over, we got back in the car and drove back. Oh my home. goodness. So it was a three hour drive back in heavy game traffic. So like take like any regular, you know, yeah. baseball game and multiply it by like three or four times. We're all trying to get out of there. I don't think we got home until maybe like three o'clock. And I had to be at the racetrack at six 30. <laughs> So oh goodness. So, so I, I left, I got maybe about two hours of sleep, uh, yeah. got in the car at about five 30 and drove down to Martinsville and, uh, and got there in time for first practice. So you know, oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm, wearing a, I'm wearing a nationals hat. Cause you know, they're in the world series Yeah, and everybody's like, Hey, did you watch that game last night? And I'm like, yeah, I watched it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that really that cool. one will always top in terms of in terms of going to, uh, in terms of going to a baseball game because it means the World Series. I mean, um, talking about the the Cincinnati Reds going to their opening game, uh, guy that as a good family friend, he is able to get tickets from um, Duke Energy in Cincinnati, and they're good seats. They're on the first base side, they've had him for years. And I don't, I don't know how he's connected with them, but um, we, he'd be able to get the opening day tickets from them. And so a couple of years prior to that, we found out that Cincinnati was getting the all-star game. And, uh, and so he, I told him, I'm like, ask, you know, it won't hurt if, if they say no, they say no. And uh, he asked and they had four seats and we got all four seats. Oh man. So we do the whole, the whole all-star game festivity. And uh, in fact, that was like the all-star game was Saturday or was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, like the main all-star games yeah. on Tuesday, you get Monday, you got the home run derby. And then Sunday you've got the, like the futures game, which was cool because there was a guy from the Salem Red Sox that played in it. Um, and, but that weekend was the Kentucky race weekend. So we were already in Cincinnati mm-hmm. Because yeah. it, because the race was that weekend, and uh, and so we were able to just stay those next three or four days and, and awesome. go to all the uh, all the events and the parade and and the home run derby was that was the first year that they had the the clock on the yeah. home run, and it was it was awesome. I mean, it completely changed everything. I mean, it, uh, I tell people all the time the All Star Game is cool because it's the tradition and seeing all the players and all that stuff is really cool, but there's nothing like that home run derby. I mean, it is just craziness from the get go. And it is so much different than any baseball game you'll ever go to. And it's just so much fun. I mean, if you got a choice and you really, really, really don't care who wins the all-star game, go to the home run derby because it's so much more fun. Um, But, you know, 
talking about the Kentucky race weekend being that same weekend. I mean, you're, you're, when you were talking about how many different ballparks and that kind of stuff, having worked races and being able to go to these places, I always try to kind of combine them. So, you know, I went to Michigan one year. Well, the Detroit Tigers were at home, so I went to Detroit. Um, one year I went to Watkins Glen. Well, that's not too far from Toronto. So I went to Toronto, Watkins Glen. Um, went to, you know, or, or like combining two games in the same weekend, like going to Baltimore and Philadelphia. Um, and then, uh, you know, doing big road trips at, at points, uh, you know, trying to do like the entire West Coast. Yeah, that West Coast swing was awesome. Yeah. In an eight day, in an eight day span with the seven different ballparks yeah. in eight. Um, and none of them, but, are, I mean, very few of them are close to each other. So, well, I mean, you start it, reaching. This is a, a relative term. I mean, like, <laughs> we, live, we live close to DC, but we're only three hours away. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, three hours can, can get you at least from San Diego to Los Angeles. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's six hours from Phoenix, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, doing that West Coast trip was, was a blast. And yeah. you know, we, we were able to at least stay in LA for a couple of days because we had two games and we stayed in the same hotel when we went to San Francisco and Oakland. Um, you know, so at least, you know, it, it just takes a lot of planning. You know, I know you guys both want to try to hit all these ballparks and stuff. It just, it's, <laughs> logistics. it's, it's all about planning and, and looking at the schedule long in advance to make sure that, you know, you can get there, when one team is finishing up their homestand and then the team that's close by is starting a homestand. And sometimes you get some of your best games because, you know, but your best game times because the, the team that's getting ready to go on the, the road swing, that's a day game. So at least you're yeah. going to have an evening to do something in the city. I mean, that, that's kind of what we did with San Francisco. Um, you know, San Francisco played a, on a Wednesday afternoon at one o'clock. It was beautiful. And then we had the whole evening to, to do stuff in San Francisco, which is like one of the coolest cities you'll ever go to. Yeah. I mean, there's so many iconic. That's spots. that's one of the few places I've actually been to a game that's not right over here is I, I was at uh, um, Candlestick. So I was back in the day, but I, I was at Candlestick in San Francisco. Yeah, it was it was awesome. I, I bet the new park's really cool. Oh, the new park's beautiful. I mean, it's right there on the water. And, um, and that, that's the thing about all these ballparks is, none of them are the same anymore. They're all yeah. unique. Um, you know, you've got Bernie sliding down the, sl the slide in Milwaukee. You've got uh, the, the winds at, uh, at, at the, uh, at the ballpark and uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank Wrigley field. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you've been to too many stadiums. You're forgetting Wrigley. No, it's like, <laughs> Blank. Now I've been to Wrigley Field a couple of times, but the first That's time awesome. I went, they played the Cardinals on a Saturday, and it was half Chicago and half St. Louis fans. Now you want to talk about fun? I mean, <laughs> the guys that sat in front of us were St. Louis fans, and they talked to us the whole game. And and all of the the Chicago fans were just. I mean, you're you're at Wrigley Field. I mean, it's hard not to have a good time, even if they're yeah, winning yeah. or losing. Um, and you know, I mean, other stadiums. St. Louis is a great one. Um, you know, but you know, I, I grew up a Dodgers fan. So going to Dodger stadium was just, I was like a kid in a candy store. Like yeah. I it, seeing it on television for years and years and years and listening to Vin Scully call games on the radio. You never, you never get to see it, 
you know, like you do when you actually go. And, yeah. uh, and so, you know, uh, I've always been of the opinion that if you can do it, go, because you never know when you're not going to be able to anymore. Or when a pandemic, you know, hits and stops it all. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm so glad that I was able to go to Seattle in 2019, because yeah. if I didn't go that year, you know, that it would have never happened. I mean, and, and, you know, going back to pairing it with races and, and that kind of stuff, that same weekend, I went by myself. I flew out to Seattle and did a game in Seattle and finished all the all the ballparks. And then the next day, I flew down to Sonoma and went to the the road course race in Sonoma. And that was the last cup track that I had on my list. Oh, wow. So, awesome. nailed them both out. And, and uh, so, you know, why not go? I mean, it, it wasn't that expensive. And I can do this. And I can rent a car. And... And, uh, you know, I had friends in both spots, so I was able to meet with them. Um, and, and so, you know, it's, it's so neat not only to see the different ballparks and to see the different racetracks, but also to see the country. I mean, Seattle, Washington is awesome. I mean, it's not like any yeah. other city you've ever been to, um, you know, going to Dallas or going to St. Louis and seeing the arch or going to Detroit and, and seeing, uh, seeing Ford Motor Company and the GM building. And, and you know, I, I wish I could have gone to the Henry Ford Museum there or going to Cleveland and going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame before going to a to an Indians game. I mean, they're all they're all neat. I mean, I saw Niagara Falls the day I went to Toronto. I mean, it's just, you know, you get to see America. Yeah. It's more than just baseball. Uh, you know, you, you get to see everything that makes these cities unique. I mean, it's a hundred degrees in Phoenix, Arizona, and they're opening the roof at the stadium. Why on God's green earth are you having? It was our first game of this road trip. We, we got to Phoenix and it's hot. I mean, it's, it's August. Right. And, uh, and so we're sitting there at the stadium and it's closed. It's, you know, it's, it's indoors. And, and right before first pitch, they open the roof and I'm like, it is a hundred degrees out here. Why in the world are you opening the roof? Well, it wasn't windy. Like it was just a stale Phoenix afternoon. And so because of that, and they got the air running up top, it keeps all that cool air inside. So it was 70 degrees down below where we were sitting and, uh, and, and it was, the roof was open and it kind of freaked us out when they started opening it. Like we were looking forward to going to this game because it was going to be indoors. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, we could go probably for a three hour podcast with, with just baseball park stories. Cause I, I know I could keep on asking questions. Well, what are you, what are your guys' favorite parks? What, you know, you've been, I mean, I'm a Pittsburgh of, fan. So PNC, really cool. PNC park at least great. PNC is high on a lot of people's lists. It is. So I, yeah. PNC, okay, I got a good story about PNC Park real quick. So uh, one of the guys that I went to school with at Tech, his, uh, he was from Pittsburgh. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so in, uh, in 07, right after, I, right after we graduated, he's like, you got to come up and see the, see the ballpark. And uh, I'm like, let's go. You know, it was, uh, it was not on my list to start going to all these ballparks. It was just cool to go to Pittsburgh and hang out with my buddy that you know, we went to school together. And, uh, and so drove up there and he's like, we got some really great seats. This is my dad and, and a couple other guys. They have season tickets. 
And so he's given us tickets for the game. They were playing the Colorado Rockies. I mean, it was, in fact, that was, that was the year Colorado Rockies went to the world series. And um, so we got to the stadium and we are in the upper deck, but we are right behind home plate. Oh, like the, the seats, like right next to where the camera guy is on, on the upper deck uh, looking right. I mean, and it's like a painting. I mean, it's the whole, the whole city is right there, you know, and I don't know much about Pittsburgh. I'd only been there once for a tech game and, and, but to see the skyline and, and the Clemente bridge and everything that makes that ballpark so beautiful. It's a nice park. Yes. But the, the landscape beyond it, but the rivers and everything was so cool. And so basically when they started building the stadium, they were taking season ticket uh, orders. And so his dad and the other, the other guys that they decided, they're like, we want to go to the games, you know, this brand new ballpark. We don't want to spend an arm and a leg. So let's just get upper deck seats. So they had the lay the layout for the plans for the stadium that hadn't even been built. And they just said, well, let's just sit behind home plate in the upper deck. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll pick the lowest seats in the upper deck because they're not going to be super expensive. So as the stadium started to get built, the Pirates organization called them and they were like, hey, we'd really like to have these seats back. We'll move you anywhere in the stadium you want if you, uh, if you let us have these specific seats. And they were like, no, nah, we'd rather sit up high and it's right behind home plate. And it's not going to be as busy because it's not going to be a full crowd most of the time. <laughs> they we really like, to sit, we yeah. like to sit in these seats. Um, and so a couple months pass and the pirates call them back again. They said, okay, we really want these seats. We'll give you four extra seats at no cost. If we can move you somewhere else in the stadium. And they were like, we know that there's something special now. We're not giving these seats up. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it was, it was beautiful. And uh, I still still got pictures from that game and, and, you know, I'm wearing my Hokies United shirt and, and uh, the stadium and, and the skyline in the background, it's it's really cool. I mean, yeah. there's stories with every every ballpark. I mean, we, it's more we, than just the game. We went to PNC for my bachelor party. I mean, that's how much we've always enjoyed going up there. I mean, that's that was our trip up there and a Saturday night game and the fireworks after the game on Saturday. It was awesome. Oh, yeah. I think I, I, I can't remember. It wasn't a bachelor party trip, but it was several of us. Um, one of the guys wanted a bachelor party trip. And he wanted to do Pittsburgh. And I was like, have you ever been to Fenway? <laughs> and he said, no. <laughs> yeah. so we didn't go to Boston instead of Pittsburgh. But we decided that when we were in Boston, we were going to make that trip again. So yeah. it, was, uh, awesome. it, was, it was several of us that went back to Pittsburgh. I love that stadium. It's, it's cool. It's a really nice park. As I say, outside of Camden Yards, I've been to Nats Park. And then the only other one I've been to is because I have a buddy that lives in Arlington. So we have a free place to stay when we go. Uh, and we usually try to time it with an O's series. Um, but I haven't been to the new one they just built, obviously, yeah, since last year was the first one, one. But Globe Life uh, Park uh, we had been to. And I actually, the last time I was there was uh, Adrian Beltre's 3000th hit I got to see. So that was pretty cool. Wow, that's cool. Because they happened to be playing the Orioles when we were there. Yeah, special. and the Orioles won. They swept that series. So it was win-win. Got to see the O's win and got to see Adrian Beltre get his 3000th hit. There's not many, like, specific, you know, milestone events that – I saw at some of these games. Uh, I I will say that I went the night I went to Yankee Stadium. Mariana Rivera blew a save, so that was pretty, hey hey, was hey a very win win. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, to, to blow a save like 
you know, he went into the Hall of Fame and they're yeah. like, he only, yeah. he only lost so many games. And I was like, man, I saw him lose a game against the Angels. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. That's that's not the walk on the moon stat, but it's like well Sandman <laughs> and all that stuff. And I was just like, this is kind of bizarre. <laughs> but like, but you like, should go to more Yankee games when he was pitching. Man, if you're, if you're there for the Mariano blowout or uh, blown saves, man, you should have gone more. <laughs> but like you the said about the, was just different. What it, it, I kind of wish I'd been able to go to the old Yankee Stadium. I went to the new yeah. one, which was really cool because my dad grew up a Yankees fan, so it was cool to take him and and go. And and like any other kind of trip that I'd planned in the past, you know, we went to City Field the night before, and then Yankee Stadium the next day so we stayed in Times Square and did the whole thing like you know that was the only time I've ever been in New York and it was a blast rode the train up there but like you said with the Nats World Series tickets uh, I I felt the same way about that Adrian Beltre game because we we knew going into that series Adrian Beltre's unless he goes over he's going to get his 3,000th hit at some point in this series so he uh he didn't get it the first night and I think it was the he had one hit in the second game and so we were like okay he just has to get a hit in this last game uh, and he got it. And then my first reaction was we had computer printed tickets. And I was like, man, kind of like you. I was like, I wish we could have that stub, that ticket stub. And the Rangers yeah. had said, then they made an announcement. If you, you know, email us uh, your ticket, then we'll know we'll send you a ticket stub. And so like my buddy who lives in Arlington, it was easy for him because he's the one who had him. And he's like, hey, I'll send I'll tell him to send two to you guys. And I was like, OK, cool. So. The Texas Rangers ended up sending us uh, the ticket stub of the game, and uh, then it all, they also handed out uh, and mailed these uh, commemorative, uh, like almost like a plaque to put it in. And it, the ticket oh, wow. is right there in the center. It says Adrian Beltre's 2000th cool. hit. So that, that was really cool. All right, Clark, we'll get you out of here. We really appreciate you coming on. Like I said, I, I feel like just signing you up for next week and we can talk more <laughs> baseball parks, but really appreciate hey, all. I could talk all about you, all this stuff all day, man. <laughs> I could listen up for sure. Uh, appreciate all that you put out there on Twitter. And um, I guess Twitter is the main place I see it. And uh, I appreciate everything you put out there because it's just cool to see, you know, a guy that has three kids at home that can't make all the travels. It's cool to see someone that can and takes advantage of it. And, uh, and the relationship with your dad and <laughs> <laughs> the relationship with your dad. I think it's so cool that like your dad's with you on a lot of these trips. I just, that's really cool. So oh, yeah. um, thanks for coming on. Uh, maybe we'll swing around and get you again sometime. And uh, sure. I hope, uh, hope you have a good time in the meantime. And thanks for coming on. Yeah. And tell, uh, tell everybody to vote in this, uh, in this helmet uh, yes. bracket. Just yes. We'll pass it. We'll be tweeting it out and make sure. And we'll remind everybody at the end of the episode here to, Make sure they look you up and get involved. Right on. Now, do y'all have uh, high school football coming up here soon? Yeah, we got the uh, previews are going to start uh, next week, and uh, we have a quick six-game uh, season to get through. And uh, we're used to covering it on radio is our normal plan, and and we're going to see what all we can do this year. But, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a quick and fast season. But, uh, hey, all the Riverheads uh, fans listen and hope to be down in Salem that for – First no, weekend in May. They'll be been, there. They've been in Salem the last couple of weeks. So. Oh yeah, I've uh, it's only a couple of years. Yeah, I've been uh, been to plenty of those state championship games down the street. Yeah, yeah. I've, I actually every year I've covered high school football. I've been in Salem at the last week of the season because Wilson was there the first year, and then Riverheads every year 
sense. I was so. going to say, the only way Riverheads won't be there is if COVID beats them. So. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't beat anybody. Right now. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I hope not. Against that. Yep. All right. Well, thanks again thanks. for coming on. We appreciate it. Sure thing. Y'all have a good one. Good, good talking with you. All right, D block time. And once again, thanks to Clark. I know uh, that was the, probably the longest interview we've had on the podcast. I think it's well worth it. Um, and like I said, in all honesty, we could have gone twice that long with all the cool stories that Clark had. So thanks again to him. Um, and make sure you guys follow his Twitter feed. Uh, go to his website, interact with this helmet bracket. And uh, he always has cool things going on. One of the cool things I didn't bring up was like his concept uniforms that he's made for basketball and baseball for for Hokies and uh, the baseball one was so cool. He went through and like modeled Hokie jerseys, um, baseball jerseys, uniforms after major league baseball franchise. Um, I was the coolest thing when he was putting those out and they're on his website. So you can look that up. So uh, go find that stuff and uh, enjoy it. So D block time, what's time in life. And we'll just talk about the Super Bowl here um, because it obviously dominated pretty much. I would assume everybody that's listening Sunday. Um, and I put out a tweet of, Hey, tell me something other than the football with Super Bowl Sunday that you enjoy the most. We just, I just, you know, too much interaction to, to grab hold of there. Uh, so I'm just going to focus on what I pulled away from Super Bowl Sunday. And, uh, I'm joking. And, uh, the commercials, the halftime and the food. And I kind of split up what I wanted to talk about into the not the good, the bad, the ugly, because that's just too much negative and it just gives you too much to uh, chew on there. I'm going good, neutral, and not so good. So the good, I thought that anthem was was good. I'm not a guy that like is looking forward to the anthem, really cares who's singing the anthem. <laughs> the anthem happens every year at the Super Bowl, and most times I'm just like, okay, it happened. Like Everybody's like, Lady Gaga was so great. I'm like, okay, it happened. I During that anthem, we kind of paused. I was like, this is awesome. I really liked it. Like I liked the vibe with Eric church uh, that my brother-in-law was in the room and he's like, I'm a guy that doesn't like the anthem to be messed with at all. I like that. I, I thought it was good. Obviously there was symbolism, um, you know, bringing a country artist and a uh, R and B artist onto the same stage for that. And it worked great. And, and both performers did perfectly. And I, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Yeah. I don't have or a strong do you hate opinion. America and not like it. I don't have a strong opinion about the anthem. I don't like Eric Church, so I mean, I think so that probably has a yeah. I'm neutral. Um, that probably had something to do with my just not wow, amazing performance kind of feel to it. Um, but yeah, I was paying attention okay. to other stuff during the anthem, and um, there's a lot of America. stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on Sunday. Like I said, <laughs> other than the game, I mean, again, when it's a 31-9 Super Bowl and you're watching to the end, you're not watching because it's a great game. You're watching because there's others. Other impactful cool thing things the happening in the, the game. Beginning. They do it when well, it wasn't. I, I know you say that, but there's some other impactful things happening even during the anthem, Leland. That um, was it. The golf? Were you watching the golf wrap up? Was that what it was? That was not what was going on. <laughs> no. I think I know what you were watching. Um, all right. The other thing I thought was really good. Another pregame thing. Uh, Amanda Gro- uh, Gorman. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the great poet, uh, that spoke at the inauguration. She had a poem introduction of, uh, leaders that were recognized, uh, I think throughout the country, there was like three of them. Uh, and she spoke about each one of them, um, in a great way. I love that. She's like become a star. I, I think it's, it's, 
it's great. Um, just the way she speaks and um, the, the poeticness of her poems is just, I think, so enjoyable to listen to. Uh, I really thought that was a cool thing, a different thing to have before the Super Bowl. Instead of Jim Nance just talking over, setting up the game, having dedicating kind of that spot to uh, her and and let her go. That, I thought that was really yeah, unfortunately, this was a pregame thing that I just didn't get. I did, I did not see. Um, there there was a lot during the pregame I did not get to. Uh, it was me getting to where I was watching the game and then just having to eat before the game started. Um, so that was unfortunately something I missed. I'll have to go back and and watch that. Uh, but it, I I agree. I, I saw social media reaction to it, and it yeah. sounds like a cool thing. Um, Jim Nance has done Super Bowls before, so it's it's an easy thing, I'm sure, for him at that point to just pass it on to someone else and let them have their moment. Yeah, and and uh, you know this year there it's been such a weird year, dedicating that time right before kickoff to not talk about football and talk about um, examples of important people and communities uh, doing a lot. You know, I think was also obviously another symbolic thing, but like it it was good. I, you know, we build up the Super Bowl. There's so much talk that week. Like, I don't, I think it's okay to use that stage for other things. And uh, they did, and it was good. So some of the neutral stuff is probably areas where other people try to go more negative with it. And so uh, I'm just figure you will. Um, commercials in general. It's been years since I thought I would say all the commercials were great in general, or just like overall, I thought there was a lot of good commercials. There was some you know, I maybe moved to the good category, but nothing blew me away. And I don't want to be like, there's the ones that are supposed to be stupid or supposed to be weird to stand out. I just roll my eyes and move on. But I just, in general, I just like, I, I remember a time when you used to get excited about the commercials and there would be some living up to it. It's just been decades since that's been the case. So uh, yeah, the commercials in general, they were fine. I mean, there was a couple moments here and there. I could give a crap about the Paramount Plus network. And that that kept coming back up because it was on CBS. But when you have Star Wars characters walking around and Beavis and Butthead, and I don't even know who else all was going to be on that network. I I will, if you're against Peacock, I am 100% against this Paramount Plus thing. I, could, I couldn't care less. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't get Paramount Plus because a lot of the stuff that's on Peacock is going to Paramount Plus. So maybe they're going to take it off oh, Peacock. I, I don't know. I, I know, know Yellowstone that. is I, one of those things. And that's that's on Peacock right now. That's um, there was something else that was on there that I was like, well, that's on Peacock. Why? Why would I get this? Um, yeah. Paramount I mean, Plus. I will. I will not get Paramount Plus for anything. There's a zero percent chance of me ever doing that. I'm not a never guy, but nothing that they sh they showed in that commercial mm. pushing you towards it had gave me any wanting of it's doing that. It's just another streaming um, service, and it's it's not a good one. Yeah. The oh, the some of the other stuff in the commercials, like I, I they, there's a lot of references to like early '90s things, and I know I know there's a lot of that in our culture right now. But I, during a Super Bowl ad, when you're trying to like get have the interest of the entire family, I you're only going for like the 40 and 50 year olds, if not more on that. And I don't know, like Wayne's world. Is it, is it cool to talk about Wayne's world anymore? Even when you put Cardi B there, is that, is that cool? I don't know, man. I, I don't know. For me, the only gotta, Super Bowl ad that I liked, um, and I had to go look at a list of them to be reminded of it. 
um, which is how <laughs> exactly. much it stuck with me during the game, was a GM, the GM commercial with Will Ferrell or No Way Norway. Um, yeah. That one made me laugh. It was all right. Um, yeah. I guess the Mila Kunis one with the Cheetos was okay, too. I don't... Why was he taught? Like, I know... I. You know Shaggy, like right? Kutcher was like, Yeah, it was Shaggy. It was like... I didn't like Ashton Kutcher's role in that. Like, either sing the song, like, say the words in singing, or talk it. He was, like, doing this weird inflection. That well, it's because it's Ashton Kutcher, and I just hate him. So I was going to hate him no matter what he did. So, <laughs> But Mila Kunis was there and brought it brought it back in. So It was um. whatever. I thought it was funny because <laughs> I, I remember that song. But, again, that's, like, the nostalgia that you were saying is yeah you didn't that's, like. That's, um, only, that's right around 2000 nostalgia there. Um, the other one people liked was the, uh, um, Tracy Morgan ad and he had two of them where it was like, those were decent. Those were decent. Yeah. All right. The other one is everybody likes to hate on the halftime show. And I don't know, my kids rock out to some weekend songs edited and, um, I didn't hate it, but also I didn't think it was the greatest thing ever. I I also say this when, you know, they want to put popular people up there that's what the weekend is right now so if the weekend's not your thing you didn't like it fine i i I would leave it there some people had more to say than that and i think that's unfortunate um when the rolling stones were the halftime show i'm we were in college we turned the audio to something else because we couldn't have cared that was bad you too we couldn't have cared less in all honesty when prince was it like it was on i it was on but i i was like okay whatever like I don't know. I, See, that's where I, a lot I, of I didn't think the weekend was so much worse than a lot of these shows that I didn't care about other times. So, like, if it was someone else's turn not to care about it, well, there was your turn. Last year, everybody's screaming about the fifty-year-old women in skimpy clothes. Didn't have that this year. You had weird-looking masks. I, I just accept Bandages. it. Eat, eat your food and shut up. Bandages, but um, yeah, uh, I. The Prince is where you're going to lose most of the country on your argument. I think the Prince one was kind of a popular one overall um but i i agree with you on for me the halftime show is hit or miss and i i've never watched a super bowl halftime show and just been like wow i can't believe that and i i love this so much and i can never imagine another super bowl halftime show topping this but then again i'm also not a kind of person that just loves going to concerts or live shows in general um, because I don't think they're as good as the recorded version that they put a lot of edit and work into. So I would say that's my biggest thing on, on Super Bowl halftime shows. I, I didn't leave this feeling like it was the worst thing I've ever seen during the yeah. Super Bowl. And I didn't, I didn't feel like it was the best thing I've seen at a Super Bowl. It, it just kind of was. Um, there's some like background story to it that he's like prepared other performances and other music videos to kind of lead to this, to where like, that's fine. I didn't know that you wouldn't have known this. Maybe that should have been publicized a little bit. First thing, first thing my brother said when the, when the backup dancers came out was it looks like Jordan Peele's us movie. Yeah. And, and I, from that moment on, I just, Maybe part of my enjoyment came from laughing at my brother saying that because I, that's all I could see after that. I can't unsee <laughs> that after he says it. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I just 
That's a good. You know what? Take the take the dance in and the stage theatrical stuff, which I think it was cool that they were like at the end of the stage, he missed, not just he the was middle. A little bit off pitch there at the beginning, especially. But I felt like in terms of okay. singing, actual I mean, I've heard singing, other people sound bad, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, in terms of actual singing, it, it got better as it went on, and he wasn't lip syncing, so I'll give him credit for that. It's easy to do that. I I like the tunes he puts out there. They have good beats. I like them in general. So uh, that was a, that was a little weird, but okay. There's been a lot of weird in, in our time. Let's get to the bad. All right, the not, so, the not so great. And this is where Leland actually does dive into the negative. Um, and I already talked about Paramount. Uh, I didn't realize I put that down here. So only one for me, that Vince Lombardi pep talk for America. Unnecessary. Unnecessary. I thought I get that somebody thought they had a cool idea and they did it. And when they did it right before the game started, I was just, this would have been in neutral. Okay. It happened. It's a little weird, mm-hmm. like to put dead people into that kind of spot, but okay, here we go. But then when they came back and like did it again at the beginning, of the it was like, quarter. all right, shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. Like, what are we doing? Like, like whose nephew thought this up and with the NFL or CBS or whatever, Rogers. I just, you're just beating us over the head with it. Like as much as I give credit to the good things that were symbolic before the game or, or even throughout the game and even some of the commercials, like uh, it's funny, it's funny or it's good or it's heartwarming like that. I think just missed the tone. And I think it shouldn't have been surprising that that missed the tone. So um, I think it was very obvious. It was just out of place and, and kind of weird. I don't we're understand. not ready for holograms. Yeah, I don't understand why we need CGI Vince Lombardi. And if you're hell-bent on CGI Vince Lombardi, why not just use a famous speech of his? Like, he's got a lot of them. Just use audio of a speech or something he said and just use that and then use the CGI model to mouth that. Why do we have to have Al Pacino voice him? Like, I I just, so much of it, I was just like, pass. And, And, and... Kind of like you, I, I the pregame, when it happened, the people I was watching with, we all just kind of had the same reaction, like, all right, well, that was weird. And then yeah. the game happens, and then they come back in the fourth quarter, and I'm already in a bad mood because Tom Brady is going to win another Super Bowl, and I have to listen to Tony Romo just beat Tony Romo. And, and then it's like, here it is again, and I'm like, oh, great, I hated this the first time. Now I get to really hate it in the fourth quarter. Like... Stop. Don't no more CGI people, please. I don't need it. Yeah, I agree. Anything else you hated about the Super Bowl? Travis Kelsey didn't get a touchdown. Would have been really nice <laughs> for entertainment purposes if Travis Kelsey could have gotten a touchdown. When you only get threes, man, you're not gonna win games. All right. Uh what is something that I need to know? What do you know that I need to know? Yeah, so I'll take this topic for us this week. And uh, it's it has to do with a charity, actually. Uh, there was uh, a young high school student who uh, tragically passed away well before his time uh, this last year in Front Royal. Uh, but he is his family and uh, has worked to create the Brody Michael Athletic Scholarship Fund. And I wanted to bring it to people's attention down here. Unfortunately, uh, the, the shirt part of the fundraiser is already over. I've gotten mine to come in, uh, came in last week. So I'll be wearing it next Monday, February 15th. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is 
on February 15th. Uh, and this is uh, hats off to Buffalo Wild Wings because I've never seen something like this. And I, they've worked with other charities and I've been a part of some stuff with Buffalo Wild Wings that they've helped raise funds before, but I've never seen something like this. And it's just so awesome. Uh, but if you have friends or family or you're going to be in the Martinsburg, West Virginia, Harrisonburg, Virginia, Winchester, Virginia, or Waynesboro, Virginia area, which everyone listening to this is at least in the Waynesboro, Virginia area, I would imagine. Um, We've had some New York listeners. Okay, well then, not for you, but for <laughs> the, the Jeromos probably don't listen anymore. But. Yeah, for the for the Virginia area listeners, and then uh, if you're in Martinsburg as well, a hundred percent of sales. Uh, is being donated to the Brody Michael Athletic Scholarship Fund on Monday, February 15th. Uh, This is a great, great opportunity to help out uh, a fun athletic scholarship fund. Basically, this goes to, and I know it doesn't benefit athletes in this area in particular, but it goes to benefit athletes in Warren County and is, is, uh, and I've talked to somebody who's involved and with the family and uh, helps with this charity. And I told them, um, asked for permission to be able to talk about this before we talked about it this week. And I told her it is a tragedy and it's very sad what happened, but I'm glad to see what this family has been able to create out of this. Um, obviously I wish it didn't take something like this for them to have to create this, but they're using this to help other athletes in that area be able to go to college. Uh, and so, I just ask people, if you don't have dinner plans already or lunch plans or both, um, just place an order at B-Dubs, pick it up, and uh, let that money dinner. go to a good cause that's going to help some other young high school athletes in the future. And again, you can look them up on Facebook. They're Brody Michael Athletic Scholarship Fund. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Again, I know the shirt stuff is already past deadline, I think, right now, but I'm sure they're going to be doing other kinds of stuff. Uh, but this is one that people in this area can help participate in 100% of sales. And again, that is Monday, February 15th. Uh, so this next coming Monday, uh, please get some B-dubs and uh, help help this scholarship fund. Definitely, for sure. Always good. So Good stuff there. I did, before we get out of here, I just wanted to, uh, we had a late entry into the uh, bad fan moment that we were, moments we were talking about last week. Um, and one that we didn't talk about, even though it was Virginia Tech was involved, it was when uh, Tyrod did it, Mikey, uh, when Nebraska got beat in Lane Stadium because Tyrod made the magic happen. Uh, that was a bad day for one of our listeners who's a Nebraska fan and was inside the stadium because I hooked him up with tickets that day and, uh, just moments before that, I called him and because Nebraska was going to win that game. And I said, hey, stand where we're going to meet. Shut your mouth. Don't don't get in trouble because I'm not helping you in some kind of bullcrap fight after this game. Like, just stand there. Shut up. I'll be there in a minute. And then everything went text way after that. So it was one of the best fan moments for me uh, walking up to him after that game. And uh, that was awesome. So, yeah, just I just wanted to throw that in there. He he verbally passed that along while we were watching the Super Bowl the other day. And I. I couldn't let this podcast go without slipping that in. So go Hokies. Yeah, go Hokies. Uh, I I saw the play um, and it was fun. Um, I, I pushed it. my wife out of the way and tackled uh, Ron Ball, my my uh, good friend's dad, who 
played for Virginia Tech. He was sweet mates with Frank Beamer back in the day. Uh, yeah, I I tackled that man in the stands when it happened. It was so awesome. Well, folks, we hope you enjoyed this. I know it's long. Uh, we've spoiled you by getting to more timely episodes, so we wanted to give you another long one. Um, <laughs> because if I had to suffer through that Super Bowl, you all have to suffer through a long episode of this podcast. So we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. Again, uh, I just want to thank Clark for taking as much time as he yeah. did to talk to us because I know that was a long interview, but I know Lee and I both enjoyed very much hearing those stories and, and being able to talk to him about his experiences. Uh, and we hope to maybe get him on again and talk about it some more. Uh, but one last pitch, please. Again, Monday, February 15th. Yep, yep. Go to Buffalo Wild Wings, help out the Brody Michael Athletic Scholarship Fund. And again, you can find more information on them by searching Brody Michael Athletic Scholarship Fund on Facebook. Until then, folks, please follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod, Facebook Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. Subscribe to Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to make sure you don't miss another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. We'll be back to talk more about how the basketball season is wrapped up for our local teams and start to look ahead toward football season next week. Until then, folks, have a great weekend. Enjoy a footballless weekend. And uh, as we get ready for college basketball, I guess that's the big next one. But, uh, Until then, folks, have a good night. Have a good week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.